Hey friends, it's Katie Ann, your host to the Full Confidence Ahead podcast, where we tackle topics of the fear of life from family relationships to finance to careers, just to having confidence. And you know, what I realized is the other day is you've been hearing my voice for a couple episodes now. But you might not know the girl behind the mic. So this episode is just a fun time where you can get to know the girl behind the mic. So you can feel like I'm there in the room with you. Just as we get to know our guests, here's a little bit about me. So on some of these episodes, I've talked about how I'm a harpist. And if you haven't heard that, you're hearing it now. (laughs) So I do play the harp and I've been playing for 16 years. That's most of my memory life. (laughs) And it has been so fun. My harp, his name is Henry. It's in the harp world. We like to name our harps. And it's actually after Shakespeare's Henry IV part one, act two, scene three. So if you can tell, I do love Shakespeare. (laughs) There's a character in that scene whose name is Henry and has a little bit of a temper attitude. And my harp definitely has a temperament as well. So his name is Henry and I've been playing for 19 years. That means 19 years of blood blisters and calluses on my fingers. The life of a harpist's fingers is a little bit brutal but that's okay. (laughs) And one thing that people don't really understand, but it's a fun fact, harpists normally always carry wire cutters with them. And that seems a little bit odd, but it's because all of our harp strings, when they break and we need to change them, you have to cut them to the right size. And because they're normally so thick, they're made out of either wire or gut or nylon, we have to use wire cutters. So if you're ever in need of wire cutters, just let me know. I normally have them in my bag or in my pocket. So yes, I normally do have them with me. So I've got your back. Don't worry. I think some of my favorite memories though with playing the harp. So when I first started, I was in kindergarten. That was a long, a long time ago, but it was really cute. I started on this tiny harp And when I pulled the heart back on my shoulder, it just totally was so heavy and weighed on my shoulder to the point it crushed me and I couldn't play longer than five minutes. And now I think it's adorable because I do wedding gigs for three hours and I couldn't play longer than five minutes when I was little. And I built up from that for years and just got calluses on my fingers to finally be able to be sustainable. So I learned very quickly that little efforts daily and consistently build up over your lifetime to help you have sustainability and can really help you develop your talents. And that's really been my experience with harp. So I just started off simple stuff. And now it's so fun to be on the collegiate level playing and doing wedding gigs. And one of my favorite memories, actually two of them, but here's one of the first ones is I got a volunteer for harps for hospice hearts for hospice when I was um, in high school and What I did is I went into the homes of individual hospice members and played just a little personal concert for them. And it was so touching to see how music could help people who were on the last moments of their life. And there was one day that was so significant for me. I I came into this woman's home and and the woman hadn't been able to verbally speak for a couple weeks just because of the condition she was in. And her daughter was in there. And she was in there and I, I tried to play music from her time period. I pulled out some Louis Armstrong songs. I was playing somewhere in time. I tried to do things that, that she would remember and know. And the music had this calming effect on her to the point I, her body was able to relax enough that she could exchange a few words with her daughter. And her daughter just came up 
to to me afterwards and said just said thank you so much because it was one of the last times she was able to communicate with her mom and to recognize the joy of music that music was so powerful enough to help someone have a relaxing moment and create memories with people around them really made me want to stick with the harp. So it has been a very influential part of my life throughout all of my life. And I realized my most favorite moments have been when I've been sharing my music. (laughs) Practicing at home can be tough, but when you're sharing it with others, that's where the magic of music really happens. Another moment that was really magical for me is I had the opportunity to audition for an orchestra that was touring Europe for two months. And I auditioned and got in and worked really hard to learn the music. And we flew out to the Czech Republic and went through about five different countries playing for two months in these European countries. And it was incredible. It was my first time going internationally abroad by myself with this orchestra who with people I didn't really know very well at the time um, who I got close with on the trip. But we went through all these different countries and every single country, the language changed the currency changed. There was a lot of different culture that we were experiencing. But the one thing that stayed the same was people understood music. They all felt the music. They all clapped. They could all enjoy the music. And that was the first time in my life I really realized that music was something unique and universal. It crossed cultural barriers, it crossed language barriers. And on that tour, we were in France for a couple of weeks and we got to actually be on Omaha Beach where uh, we have the beautiful memorial and there are hundreds of unmarked grades of fallen soldiers. And we were there in the memorial playing softer songs and uh, songs as a memoir to these fallen soldiers. And I, I can't even describe the, the emotions that we all were feeling that day, especially for me, I was born on an air force base. Um, and to grow up with people and with families that were dedicated to the service of their country and realizing their sacrifice and seeing all these graves of the fallen soldiers was something so impactful in my life and to be able to play for the visitors. And and for me also, I felt like I was playing for those fallen soldiers, even though they weren't there. I was, I was trying to say my thank you through that moment. And that, that concert was both a memoir and this healing balm for both us and the visitors who were who were there. And there's there's this magic of music that I've experienced. There's there's connection through through cultural barriers. And then there's this also healing aspect that has been a part of my life. And that's why I keep going back to the harp. So as you go through the episodes, I'll probably refer a lot to my musical experience or, oh yeah, I learned that or similar experiences when I had, when I played the harp or as I play the harp, it's something that's very important in my life and something that's taught me a lot of lessons. And as we know, there is no perfect person, or at least I haven't met a perfect person yet on this earth. So nor am I as the podcast host and, um, so let me kind of tell you a story to, to get to know me and my personality a little bit better. But I have one sister and I adore this sister. We're also very close in age. We're 16 months apart. So we kind of grew up as twins and we got along really well growing up and we get along really well. I'm so grateful for her now. She is one of my closest friends and confiance that I just love calling and talking to. And in high school, 
we didn't argue except for on one topic. And that was our clothes. <laughs> we, we were terrible at sharing clothes with each other. Um, and we, we kind of made this system of, we wouldn't argue if you at least asked permission. But of course, if you ask permission, the other sister would be like, no, you can't borrow it. You're going to sweat in my clothes. <laughs> That's how it goes. But there was one day that we had this dance going on. I was really excited to go with my friends to this dance. And of course, you want to dress up and look good. And I wanted to borrow my sister's clothes because for some reason, your sister's clothes are just always cuter than your own. I don't know why that happens, but it just does. So I went and I grabbed my sister's pants. And these were not only my sister's pants. These were my sister's favorite pants. Obviously the cutest ones in her closet. So I borrowed them and I went off to the school dance. I was having a great time. And then the Boots Boogie came on and I was so prepared for this Boots Boogie. I was jamming and there's that part where you kind of do the hill click and, and switch sides in the Boots Boogie. And I kind of had this little confidence boost and, and kicked my leg really high during, during the turning part. Um, and during one of the kicks, <laughs> my pants just went loose and I panicked. And so I just quickly crossed my legs and grabbed my best friend at that moment and was like, Maddie, we have to go to the bathroom now. And she's having a fun time. So she was like, no, we can wait. Katie Ann, just wait out the song. And, um, and I gave her the eyes and she knew it was time to go to the bathroom right then. <laughs> so we went to the bathroom and she just started busting out laughing. So I'd ripped my pants, but there was, this was no little rip. This was like from my knee all the way up to the top of the pants, totally gaping open, shredded. And I was terrified because these were my sister's pants and her favorite pants and she didn't know I was borrowing them. I didn't know what to do. So I called my mom because moms fix things, right? So I called my mom. And I didn't want to leave the dance. No, no teenage girl wants to do that. So I told my mom, mom, I ripped my pants. Please come bring me another pair of pants. And I just still laugh at her response. I remember her on the phone saying, just tie a jacket around your waist. And I laughed because I was like, mom, you do not understand the skill of which I have ripped my pants. And she did it when she came into the bathroom with, she brought a couple extra pants for me and she just died laughing because there was no pants left. It was just, it was totally just ripped. So um, that night when I came home, I was a little bit terrified. I didn't know how to face my sister. So I brought in these pants and I'm so grateful to her response to this date. She just laughed. She laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed and she kept those pants. And we still have those pants at my house just as, I think she was almost gonna frame them. I told her not to do that. But there, there has this memory and as a joke, and I, I admire my sister for her response and I wanna be like that always of, you know, life isn't perfect, but we can laugh through it. Um, laughing through life is a gift and I hope to, it's a gift and a skill and I hope to work more in that skill and, and laugh like she did in that moment. Um, which reminds me of just like how we face life and especially facing life confidently and laughing through life. I had this heart mentor who I adore who recently passed away of, of cancer. And she was just very influential both in my, 
in having confidence in myself and playing the harp as well as just in my life. And she was a jazz harpist. She was actually the first harpist on Star Wars, which was really fun. Um, and she, she taught me to live life like jazz music. In jazz music, she said, there's no wrong notes. There's just resolutions to better ones. And she told me that to live life like that as well, that there's no wrong steps. There's just resolutions to better ones. So embracing every single moment of your life, just like that ripping your pants story of embracing it, laughing it, loving it as part of your story and, and moving on to the next note. And uh, that that's a philosophy I've tried to develop in my life. And I'm still trying to, uh, life's a journey of, of developing and trying. We're never perfect on a certain topic, but we can keep developing into who we are and, and being developing these skill sets and developing the skill set of living life as jazz music is something that, that I'm currently working on that I currently want to always do. This is another story with with my sister. So when whenever we did argue, I told you the only thing that we ever really argued on was our clothes. And and my mom, when she sensed tension, she just told us, okay, like how are we gonna resolve this? And and the resolution was cookies, because everyone wins with cookies, right? We had to spend time together making them, and then we got cookies after it. That's just a win-win. Um, and I remember one time, <laughs> I think back on this and I just giggle. Um, one time my sister and I were banished to the kitchen to resolve our contentions over clothes and to make cookies. So we started making cookies together. Um, and this is where our personalities really came out. <laughs> We realized how different we were. We have a lot of the same interests, but we just approach them in very different ways. So she got out the recipe and she, she's probably, she's definitely more of a cook than I am. And she, she kind of did a little bit give and take measuring, right? So you do the flour, but she didn't totally do exact measurements. And then there's me who I like to do things very to the rules, very precise. So I get out the measuring cup and I'm got my knife and I'm like measuring off the flour. Everything is perfectly measured. Um, and we started arguing over the cookies because, because we were measuring things differently. It was honestly, the cookies would have turned out just fine anyway, but how we were approaching it was so different. And we just having already argued and trying to make cookies again, we just, it just wasn't working. It was just making more of a disaster in the kitchen. So my mom kind of intervened on us, but, um, <laughs> to this day, we have still not made cookies together again. There are some things you just realize in life that you approach differently and and we're still working on that. I, it's a goal of mine to be able to <laughs> to see our differences with cookies and make them again. But we we laugh and have fun and we, we like buying cookies together. That was our resolution is, you know what? Maybe we can't make them together, but maybe we can buy them together. So that, you know what? Sometimes that's how you need to solve problems. So <laughs> a little bit unconventional way to solve problems, but you're right. I have not made cookies with my sister yet to this day, but we will eventually probably chocolate chip. That's my favorite. <laughs> so some likes and dislikes. I know on my trailer, I always say that I'm a local taco lover and that is true. If there's one food that I had to be eat the rest of my life on an abandoned island, it would be tacos. And I don't know where this love of tacos came from, but I have this deep passion and love for taco. And this isn't this isn't American tacos, which those are great, but this is straight up street tacos. I love going to the street taco stands, 
getting all my toppings, getting my salsa. It's my favorite. Tacos and also pho, the Vietnamese food. Those are my two favorite foods. Definitely love them. And there's another food that people are normally shocked that I like, and that is, I'm always embarrassed to say it, but it's okay. Escargot. I love snails. <laughs> I think they're really good. The first time I had escargot was in Portugal. And I know a few of you have, have heard in my episodes some references to Portugal. So my connection to Portugal is I got to live there for a year and a half. And I learned Portuguese there, which is a little bit different Portuguese from Brazilian Portuguese. It's, a little, it's kind of like England, English, and Utah and well utah english or american english it sounds a little bit different you have a little bit different vocabulary so i was in portugal um loved the culture loved the people and i loved escargot i love snails <laughs> in portugal they have snails as a delicacy and they have these like a taco stand but there's stands with escargot and but when you buy them they're still alive. So it took me a little bit to mentally get over that. They just have these stands of snails kind of crawling over each other and you buy a bag and you go home and you make escargot. <laughs> so that was kind of, and don't worry, the snails are washed, they're triple washed, they're they're not just off the street, but it was, it was something very different for me. I loved my time in Portugal and a lot of it I actually spent on the islands of Portugal. So Portugal has two archipelagos that um, are part of the country and that's Madeira and also the Azores. So I was on the Azores or the Azores. That's how you say it in, in English. Um, I was on the Azores for quite a long time and I was on the island Tercera and there's six islands that make up the Azores. Sorry, nine. Whoops. There's nine islands that make up the Azores. And, um, I was on the island called Tercera and I think I'm not sure, but it felt like there are more cows than people on that island. <laughs> and I loved being on that island. I just remember one day I I really enjoyed getting to know the people on the island. And um, I was living with my, my roommate there on the island. And um, one day it was in the middle of winter. And in the winter on Terceta, it doesn't snow. It does get cold and it rains. But when it rains, it's like a tropical rain. So the rain comes in sideways. It's just kind of pelting down really fast and furious. And um, for some reason, even though I knew I was going to be out on the streets a lot that day, I decided to put on mascara and makeup. That seemed like a brilliant idea. So um, I went out into this major storm walking to our friend's house with mascara on. And I didn't think anything of it. No, it was not waterproof mascara. Why I would have thought about that? I don't know. So I'm out in this storm and um, we kind of took refuge under this, this bus stop for a little bit. And I just wanted to meet people on the island. So I went up to this lady and just started chatting with her in Portuguese. And I still, her, her face, her, the face she made is in raved in my head but her face was just like confused and looking at me um so she didn't really respond it was kind of a shock I didn't really know how to interpret it and then my my roommate was just laughing and I I was just so confused like what is going on this lady is looking at me someone's laughing at me so we went home right after that and I went to the bathroom and I screamed (laughs) 
all of my mascara had run down and literally made two football lines underneath my my cheeks and um I looked like this football player, this drenched football player. So no wonder that lady was just staring. And then my, my roommate was laughing at me. And she, of course she didn't tell me. She just laughed and <laughs> um, learned the importance of waterproof mascara. And I always laugh too. In Portugal, they have a little bit different system of how to use the buses. They use a lot of public transport. And so I did as well. And um, being there immersed in the culture for a year and a half, I... I came home and I'll just say it how it is. I forgot how to get on a bus here in America because the systems are so different. In Portugal, you have to like stick out your hand and it signals waving down a bus. And then they open different doors to signal different things. So if they open the front door, it means that there's vacant spaces and you can get on the bus. If they open the back door, there's not vacant spaces on the bus. They're only letting people out. So depending on the door that they open, there's different, it signals different things for people to get on or to get off. And you have to signal with your arms when you're getting on and you have to signal when you're getting off. Otherwise the bus driver will just keep driving. Um, and I, came back to when I came back to the United States, I went pretty immediately right back to college, to university. And I was using public transport again to get around from, from campus to my job. And <laughs> I remember being at the bus stop and I forgot how to get on the bus. Like I just forgot. So I did it as if I was in Portugal again. I, I signaled with my arm when I needed to, to get on, not realizing that in America, buses just normally stop if there's people there at the bus station. <laughs> it was just, uh, I didn't realize that. And then they opened, this is, this was the panic moment. They opened the back door and the bus was basically empty except for two people. So I was so confused. They opened the back door. So to me that signaled, they're only letting people off. They're not letting people on. And so I just stood there and I was the only one at this bus station. No one was getting off. And for about two minutes, I think the bus driver had pity on me, but this lady inside just yelled out like, hey, you can get on the bus. And I was just kind of in this panic and I, I rushed on the bus and just this frenzy of like, wait a minute, why? I'm so confused. I didn't even know how to get on the bus and I was so embarrassed. I didn't even know how to get off. I had to ask this lady, I'm like, how do you signal to get off the bus? And she just told me it stops at every single stop. I was so embarrassed and, and I realized that Across the world, we definitely have different ways of doing things, but there's not one right or wrong. But when you put yourself in someone else's shoes, it really helps you understand when they do something differently than you. Um, and it's not bad, it's just different. And I, I hope to be able to still travel more and, and just get to know people of other cultures to understand how they do things and it's going to be different and then help them become accustomed to where we are and also learn their style of doing things. But that was a definitely embarrassing moment when I couldn't get on a bus. That was, but we learn from our mistakes and, and that's okay. So I do have a really good track record where I have gotten out of 100% of the locked in rooms that I have done. So that's really good. If you ever need a teammate to go in a locked in room, call me up because I will be right there. I love locked in rooms. I, I think it's just fun and challenging to kind of be in this game, but also be solving puzzles. And um, so I do have a really good track record of that. But my family has banned me from playing Monopoly. So don't ask me to play with you. No more comment on that. 
but also I love Hallmark movies. Um, and I normally have to watch them in secret because my mom also normally bans me from those. <laughs> she's, she's really funny. I, I don't know. Hallmark fans back me up here, but she's not a fan. So, um, those are normally my watch alone time. Um, I think they're great sometimes, but probably favorite movie would be uh, Secret Life of Walter Mitty or Hidden Figures. Um, those are probably my two favorite runs right now. The Imitation Game, also one of my favorites. Those are my top three. So if you like any of those, hit me up in the comments and say your favorite scenes because I definitely have favorite scenes and I also love the music from those three. Fabulous movies, just fabulous. I don't know why, but I, I have this fascination with yoga. I'm not even very good at it, but I've made it my goal to try every type of yoga out there. And I, I'm not there yet, but I've tried quite a few. So I've done traditional yoga. I've done, um, not hot yoga, but it's, it's the more intense one where you're moving faster. I forgot what it's called, but yoga fans, you'll know what that is. Um, and then I've tried two other, which are really unique. I've done hoga. And I've done Goga, um, which you guys should definitely try as well. Goga is not with Gogurts. It's goat yoga. And so you're doing yoga and goats are just like jumping around on top of you. I, I had seen this on online before. I think on YouTube was the first time I had seen Goga. Um, and for years, it was my dream to go and do yoga. So I, I finally found I have a place in Salt Lake that was doing Goga and I signed up and I went and I went with my mom so she can definitely be the testament of this. But um, sometimes social media is not what it seems or or your dreams do not turn out as as you think they will. And I I went and and I was terrified of the goats because they give you no warning when they'll jump on you. They just kind of jump on you, but they're big enough to throw off your balance. So I'd be in child's pose. And then suddenly it was like, clunk, this huge goat on me. Um, and I'd almost fall over. And the other thing is they'd start eating my hair. Um, and they warned us of that before the goga session started. They're like, oh yeah, make sure your hair's up because or else you'll get a new haircut from these goats. They have no mercy. <laughs> so they would start pulling my hair and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to be bald when I leave here. So it was a little bit more terrifying than I thought, but <laughs> I followed through with my dream. I did it. Definitely not what I thought, how it would turn out, but, but I did it. And sometimes you just need to go through an experience to realize that, that you did it. Um, so I'd recommend doing goga, but just have a little bit more awareness than I did. Maybe wear a hat, cover your hair. <laughs> but um, the other type of yoga I've done is hoga, which is yoga on a horse. That was very unique, very scary as well. Um, I used to be terrified of horses. And to get over my fear of horses, my mom was really wise. I she signed me up for an equestrian training class and it actually went through the seven habits of highly successful people. Um, that book by Stephen Covey, um, it taught you those habits as you're learning how to ride a horse. So you're learning to conquer your life and, and the fears of life and you're learning to ride a horse at the same time, which was perfect for me because I had this huge fear of horses. Uh, I'd watched my dad get bucked off a horse a couple years earlier and ever since that moment, I just was terrified. So it wasn't a personal experience, but I'd watch someone with a horse have a negative experience and, and just had this fear. So I, she signed me up 
and I went into these these classes and and I actually started getting fairly good at riding horses. Um, the first day, <laughs> they stuck me in the ring with a horse um, and put me on bareback, and I. I think the horse had pity on me. I think they could sense how scared I was because horses are really sensitive to people's heart beats and emotions. And I think the horse was so gentle. They're like, it's okay. We'll give you a good time. Cause they could sense how tense I was. And I was just trying so hard. And, um, I'm so glad I kind of just faced that fear. The first day they just put me on the horse. There was no real warm up. It was, it was straight into it. And sometimes that's how you need to face fears. Sometimes it's little bits at a day and sometimes it's just going straight for it. Um, but the last lesson, no, it wasn't, it's habit six is synergy. And, and that's the, the whole idea that one plus one can equal more than two. Or when you have one person working with another person, your results can be more than just what two people can do together. It can create this idea of synergy where you have energy beyond the two of you and you can um, have produced more results than either of you could do independently. So they taught that principle and then we did Hoga. Um, and they brought out this horse and they're like, okay, get on the horse and do child's pose. And I was there with my sister and I'm so glad she she had already done Hoga previously and she was helping me out. She got on the horse and she was just like, she was already standing on the horse on one leg and there's me barely creeping up on the horse. And I'm like, I'll start just laying flat on my back on the horse. <laughs> so it took me a long time to get up into child's pose. And finally, eventually I stood up on the back of a horse. And that is an accomplishment I will hold with all my heart because I had a huge fear of horses and to be standing on a back of an animal that can move at any moment. And you have to trust and feel like, are they shifting? Are you shifting? It's you and the horse working together in that moment. It was scary. And then it was awesome. And when you face those things that are scary in your life, when you tackle them, just like I tackled that fear of horses, there's something of achievement and accomplishment and and confidence that rushes into your life. Um, and just like I had my sister there, sometimes you need a person to show you the way. And then other times you can just go and do it by yourself. But finding those people in your life who can help you tackle those fears and, and creating a people, a circle, and it can be a it can be just a small intimate circle of people who are going to help you progress and find that confidence through life has been crucial for me and I think crucial for, for anyone is we need a, people around us who will encourage us. And that can be mentors. That One of the best things is mentors that I consider all of my my heart teacher, my, my horse equestrian trainer teacher. These are mentors in my life. And then also friends and people by your side who are kind of in the same circumstance. And that was, that's like my sister. She's been there and, and kind of been, being 16 months apart, we're kind of facing a lot of the same things at the same time. So we've been um, going through things at the same time. She's been a cheerleader as well. So to have different people in different places, wiser than you or on the same level as you or younger than you, we can learn from everyone who's in our path. And that can also be part of your circle of, of confidence, your, your confidence cheerleader circle. And that's, that's been a lot of my success and how that's come has been through different people for sure. I don't know. I, I sing as well. I love to sing. And um, I love Kobe Kelly. So if you ever have a birthday party and you want um, 
an impressionist to come be Kobe Kale. I'll come try and I'll, I'll sing bubbly and oh, it's my favorite. And if I had a theme song for my life, it would definitely be the song bubbly by Kobe Kale. The, and it starts in my toes. That one. Mm. That one definitely is like my life theme song. It's also, I think I said it as my mom's ringtone for whenever I call. So it makes me happy every time. Sometimes I'll just call her so I can hear the ringtone. It's my favorite, but I learned it on the piano once. I, I can play a little bit on the piano, definitely not as proficiently as the harp, but I can plunk around and um, it kind of became my theme song. I, I learned how to play it and I'd play and sing and, and I did that for a couple concerts, playing and singing. So ever since I was... I think seventh grade was the first time I sang and played that song. Since seventh grade, I have loved Kobe Calais. So my Kobe Calais fans out there, or if Kobe Calais is listening, oh, I would love to meet you. Hope you are. <laughs> That's the dream. But if you ever need someone to come be Kobe Calais and put on a wig at your birthday party, I will happily volunteer. Please put that in the comments. I would love to come do that. So a lot of times you'll hear that I talk about finances too. And that's something that's been a huge passion of mine just because like the horse story of having this fear and then, and then jumping into it and getting over it. That's been me with finances. I had this, this fear, totally crippling fear of finances to the point it was affecting my lifestyle. I didn't know how to move forward. Um, so I, I tackled it. I, I signed up for a class and I got over my fear of finances. So I talk a lot about finances because it is something that's literally gone within a few months from total fear to confidence to the point I couldn't stop talking about it at the dinner table. It's all I wanted to talk about because when you have an experience that changes you, that you realize that fear can change, it's something that's so profound. And, and what I hope to accomplish in this in this podcast is, is getting over our fears is we all have fears in life. And I have this unique perspective that fear doesn't have to be bad because actually a lot of the best things in my life have been rooted in having a fear, like my confidence in budgeting. Fear is a tool. And if we use it for, to propel us into confidence, that can be a positive experience. Fear, you always have the fight or flight, right? And if you use it to fly you in to a moment of confidence, fear can be such a positive experience. It can, if it can set you running towards your goals, then use that fear as something that can turn into a positive experience and truly turn into confidence. And I fully believe that for each of us, that it's been in my life multiple times. Now you've heard through a couple stories of how fear has gone to confidence. That can come into your life as well. And through these conversations and through, through these interviews that I'm having with our experts, we really want to go from, from fear to confidence on all areas of our life. And I believe that that's possible and fear will change confidence in your life. So thanks for joining me on our journey together as we tackle the fears of, of life with our expertise and our experts who come on the show. So keep listening and make sure to tune in Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Thanks for listening in on the Full Confidence Ahead podcast. Weekly on Tuesdays, we'll continue our journey of confidence together through new interviews and insights. Make sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on the latest conversations and confidence boosts. And by the way, you got this because you deserve to live life full confidence ahead. See you next week.